is the best tool ever devised for understanding how the world works. Science is a very human form of knowledge. We are always at the brink of the known. Science is a collaborative enterprise spanning the generations. We remember those who prepared the way, seeing through them also. Good morning, afternoon, and evening, everyone. Welcome to the May installment of Beers with the Blue Marble Space Institute of Science. My name is Sanjoy Som, and this podcast highlights the thoughts, science, and philosophies of members and friends of our institute. Today, we have the great pleasure of having Tyler Yohi of Broken Crown Games, who's going to tell us about his adventures in communicating the excitement of space exploration. But first, this month's beverage will be introduced by... Dr. Jim Cleves. Oh, thanks. Hey, good afternoon. I'm going I'm to go off the alcoholic uh, beverages menu and suggest the beverage of today be green tea. Um, just haven't come back from Japan. They drink gallons of it every day. <laughs> it's delicious and uh, good for any time of day. So find some and get yourself a glass. So our, our speaker today is Tyler Yo. He's coming to us from... <laughs> Broken Crown Games. The title of his talk is Broken Crown Games, the Indiana, jo- Indiana Jones of Space Outreach, um, engaging and inspiring new audiences through entertainment. And Tyler has an interesting history. He's decided over the course of his life to only major in topics with three plus words in the title. So he has an associate's degree in nanofabrication manufacturing technology, a bachelor's in science with life science option also known as a pre-med, and a master's in biomedical material science and engineering. And it seems like he, he came into the gaming industry a little bit roundabout after working as a systems engineer and control center coordinator at a food distribution warehouse, and then began tinkering with game development in his free time a couple of years ago, and then started Broken Crown Games in February 2012. And Broken Crown Games, I hope he's going to tell us more about it. Um, but specializes in making games that ignite public interest in science, and uh, they sound awful interesting. So with that, I'll, I'll let Tyler carry on. All right. Well, thank you, Jim, for the introduction. And also thanks, Blue Barnwell Space, just for letting me come in today and do the quick talk. But with that said, Jim pretty much said it all as far as my background goes. I've got a strong background in the hard sciences. And uh, the first thing I wanted to talk about was pretty much how I fell into making video games from that background. So I was actually applying to PhDs in astrobiology when I was working at the food distribution warehouse. And I also worked in Excel accessibly there. So I ended up working in the backend code in VBA of Excel and started just tinkering around and made a video game in Excel. And the game really had no storyline or anything. So I decided to combine it with what I was applying for PhDs in at the time. And so the game started to take a science twist. And from there, I started to try to figure out if I could actually make some kind of living doing this and really make a go of it. Uh, Found the indie market to be fairly friendly and fun, so kind of jumped into video game development from there after combining the two. And uh, I guess the rest is kind of history. At this point, we've got a large staff. We're building a game called Escaping Titan. And... uh, Basically, the whole premise behind the Broken Crown Games series is Earth is destroyed by a solar flare, 
and life slowly starts dying off from extra gamma radiation after some of our atmosphere gets blown away during the solar flare. And so life's dying off, and there's pretty much no hope for the human species, except for the fact that we luckily had started a, a tiny research colony out on Mars. And this research colony was very similar to what the International Space Station is today. It's meant to be a temporary living facility where we do research. It wasn't meant to be a space colony. But now these people that live out there are completely cut off from Earth after Earth loses their technology with the solar flare blast. And they also lose the ability to get resources from the planet. And they're pretty much the human species' only hope of survival. So what these scientists out on Mars end up doing is they find ways to make it a long-term habitable planet and they slowly colonize all of Mars. When that happens, they start what's called the Terraboom era. In other words, now they see the dangers in being a one-planet species, and they set out across the galaxy and to start our solar system, and they just start going further and further out. It starts out with governments, but then organizations and even individuals that are just adventurous grab spaceships, and they just start colonizing different planetary bodies in our solar system. And as we go further and further out across the solar system, they eventually reach Saturn's moon of Titan, and as they go further and further past Titan, Titan essentially becomes centralized in the solar system, and they declare it capital of the solar system. And when that happens, there's this huge influx of money and power, and it completely destroys Titan's economy. And now there's this huge turmoil, and a government starts forming around the lower working class, and another government forms around the higher elitist class, and they start colliding, and that's the environment you run into in Escaping Titan. And so that's the entertainment side. That's my Indiana Jones story, kind of like Jim was saying. And the great thing about Indiana Jones was nobody watched it because it referenced archaeology. They watched it because it was a great story, a lot of fun. And that's what I want to do with our games. I want people to play our games same reason they would play any other video game, because it's fun and it's a great story. However, what I'm doing with these games is once I engage that general audience, I then want to make sure I give them that first leaping off point to really start learning science once I pique their interest through the game. For instance, after Indiana Jones, there was a little bit of a surge in archaeology majors, a surge in funding for archaeological digs, and I want to do the same thing with space. When I was applying to my PhD, the problem was most professors said, hey, listen, yeah, you can get into the program, but we don't have funding to fund a research project for you. So I ended up withdrawing all my applications and going straight into this field of making video games because I really want to make sure we start getting space back out there to the general public, get them excited, and hopefully get funding coming back into the industry. So that's the goal with Broken Crown Games, to really draw them in with entertainment and then hit home the science. And one of the ways we're doing that, aside from just the initial game of Escaping Titan, we also have what's called the Science Beyond the Sci-Fi Forums. And in the Science Beyond the Sci-Fi Forums, we actually have four PhDs right now, including one from Blue Marble, Jacob. And what they do is they're actually talking about their particular science or their professional field, and they discuss how that science relates back to the sci-fi that you'll find in our video game. For instance, when people start playing our games, we hope to really build a huge community around the entertainment side of things. And then just to give them something else to do to stay attached to the game, usually gamers jump onto forums and start discussing the game and 
different things about it. Just like, for instance, you have the Trekkies around Star Trek that really dive into the science that they never really talked about in the show itself. The show was meant to be entertainment, but people started really digging into the science behind it. Well, I want people to do that, and I don't want it to be that hard of a stretch for people. I don't want them to really work at it because then we're going to lose people. And the whole point of this is to get people excited and not lose them, gain new followers. So by making it very public that the science is there and putting it on our forums, we allow fans to immediately go there, get excited about the sci-fi, and then read about the science behind it. So that's a major gist of what we're doing there. And we're slowly starting to expand on getting beyond the games and just find other ways to engage people, such as something like this, where we do a podcast or we do a video cast on YouTube and create a YouTube channel where people can really start coming and learning about science. Uh, that's just the kind of gist of what we're doing here and uh, what we're trying to do. So with all that said, I can kind of go on about this stuff forever. So I'll just let you guys start asking any questions you might have. Thank you, Tyler. I guess the first question is, so you mentioned that you have these education initiatives on your webpage. Is there, will, be, will there be options in the game to click on learn more about Titan or as your character moves towards a new moon, like options to learn about that moon in a scientific way that's kind of disconnected from the game? Or how do you plan on pushing the education side during gameplay? All right, that's actually a great question and something we've been very focused on when we we're making this. One of the things I don't want to do with this game is turn it into an educational game. It's meant to be entertainment. And the reason for that is I've found that most edutainment games, in other words, games that are strictly meant to educate um, through video games but not be entertaining, they kind of don't hit what they're going for. The only people that are going to play a educational game are usually the people that are already in the field and therefore it's not really outreach it's just another way for those people in the field to stay attached to the field and that's not what I want to do with this I want to really grab new audiences attention and draw them into our field and so to kind of get back to what you were saying about ways to allow them to engage in the sciences we're trying to keep it fairly low-key in the game and keep it away from the actual gameplay but what we do in the game is we have something called the encyclopedia. So as you're roaming through our world, you run across different obstacles or people. And as you start talking to them, you'll get an encyclopedia entry. And the players can actually go in and immerse themselves further in our world by reading these encyclopedia entries. And so it actually adds to the entertainment factor. And what's on these encyclopedia entries is just like you would turn open up an encyclopedia and sometimes a certain word will have two different entries with each of the descriptions of what that word could be. Well, for instance, in our game, we'll have the same thing. Well, there's going to be two entries for each and every encyclopedia entry. So you jump in, for instance, you run into a space elevator. In the game, players probably don't want to read a story about the science behind the space elevators, but they might want to know why this particular space elevator is important to the story. So as they click a button to send themselves up through a space elevator, they get this encyclopedia entry and they'll go in and read it. And the entry, the very first entry in it will just say entry one. And it'll say, this is the South Dome space elevator. This is going to take you up from the Biodome to Spaceport One. And it'll briefly describe that new spaceport and give you an idea of 
how that space elevator is used in game and why it's important to the story. And then it'll say entry two and all entry twos in every single encyclopedia entry are the science behind the sci-fi. And that's where we really start engaging them. We get them to read these encyclopedia entries through the immersion of the story in entry one. And then hopefully they'll continue reading entry two. And that's stuff like the mechanics of a space elevator, as well as possible links to companies that are currently doing space elevator research like Google or there's been a couple Kickstarters for space elevator research and stuff like that, um, as well as universities that are doing it. So that's where we're going to allow them to get just a glimpse of the science behind that particular object. And then in that second entry, we'll actually add links where they can click. And if they want to keep learning about it, they can go up and begin their the very first steps of research of area. So I was wondering if, like, so when I play played uh, video games in my younger days, whenever there was like large amount of text to read, I would kind of skip over to keep playing. Yep. And so I was wondering if perhaps you could have like an incentive added to the game in order for them to read such topics. For example, like complete the space elevator quiz and get a new something that will facilitate helping your mission, like a new power or a new instrument or a new map or or something as an incentive for players to take the time to read about Space Elevator and then if they complete like a short quiz, you know, it doesn't have any, be anything fancy, like five questions or something, yep. no. then they, they can get uh, something. That's actually uh, something we've definitely brainstormed about. We've got a couple different ideas of how to try to encourage them to read this content, but at the same time, we don't want it to be something that they have to do because, again, it's all about entertainment. We don't want to lose our audience by forcing them to learn because there's just going to be some people that just don't want to. But the great part is if we can hook a large audience with entertainment and those people that don't want to play a game that's educational, well, they might might not learn about it, but they might tell their friends and then their friends might read about it and stuff like that. So it's a, it's a really delicate balance of making sure we keep this audience that's new and doesn't know much about the science and may not even have an initial interest in science. But our hope is by getting such a broad audience that's maybe never even looked into the, the space sciences, now by just triggering that initial interest, wow, that's possible. You're saying all of our game is based on potential real-world applications in the future? Then they might be like, well, how is that possible? And they really start reading into the science. Kind of like at the beginning of the movie or end of the movie, it says based on true events. And you're like, wow, really? And you go back and actually try to research when it happened and all the details behind it. We kind of want to do the same thing. We're going to tell people, listen, this entire game is based on real science. And we hope that that, as well as the encyclopedia, really drives people to start looking into the science behind it. So. We've got a couple different ways to try to make sure they're engaged with it, but at the same time, we don't want to force it on them. Hey, Tyler, this is uh, Jacob. I got a question. Yes. So um, I know you spent uh, several weeks uh, recently going to different conventions, promoting the game and running a Kickstarter and just trying to build an audience. And I was wondering, I know, I know you went to some gaming conventions, some science conventions, and, and some other types of conventions. And what was the reception of the game, particularly to... Um, the science crowd, or maybe you could just comment on if there were more gamers or more science types or kind of an equal proportion of people interested in the game uh, from that experience. I was actually incredibly pleased with our tour. I wasn't sure how we were going to get 
received from both communities, actually. Even though we're making a game, again, it is a very science-heavy game, and we weren't sure how well that was going to be received by the gaming community. And we, I was also, again, it's a video game, and that's in a professional field. That's not usually the first thing people want to get cozy with. So when I went to the space conference, I really wasn't sure how well that was going to be received either. So I was really on the fence how well we were going to be received in all of our conferences. But it actually turned out great. Both the gamers were actually extremely excited about a game that's a hard sci-fi. In other words, something that's based on real science and not fantasy, which is what you find everywhere else. People were really excited about it, really kind of cheering the project on, saying, yeah, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to make sure just keep that I keep following up on what you guys are doing and keep in tune with your progress. And then when I went over to the space symposium, people were really excited to see a new idea come out where it was going to engage those new audiences that previously were kind of untapped and really hit home that STEM education feel of hitting an audience that maybe has never even heard or thought of going into these fields. The science community was really pretty pleased with the idea of tapping into the video game market, which is obviously a very popular market for the younger generations and giving them an early insight into the science and not doing it through, again, the typical education games that nobody wants to play, but instead something that everyone's going to want to go home and continue to play over and over and over again. Tyler, could you expand a little bit on what efforts you're doing to ensure that the game is uh, scientifically spot on? All right. So the first thing that we pretty much did was really start pulling PhDs in and getting them to consult on different areas. And that's what the Science Beyond the Sci-Fi forums are all about. These guys provide a monumental amount of support and help in making sure our game's realistic. From everything down to the major details, like is our combat system realistic, to are the worlds we're engaging in plausibly terraform, what would be the effects on the human body, down to even like the cosmetic details, like what would it look like to be standing on Titan's surface and look back at the sun? How large would the sun be on, on the horizon? Um, how large would Saturn be on the horizon? And what would be the atmosphere color? Seeing as how it's a methane and ethane-based atmosphere, it's not going to be the same blue color that we're seeing here on Earth. Instead, you're going to have that little orange haze. And so by grabbing all these PhDs, they add all those little important details of making sure that the game's scientifically accurate. So they're really a huge help. And another huge help is an organization called C, or the Science and Entertainment Exchange. And they're actually just a organization out in California. I think they actually have a branch in New York now. And it's strictly just a database of scientists that have signed up saying, hey, I'm willing to consult on entertainment projects. And if I have a particular aspect of the game that I'm not too sure if it's realistic, and I don't have a particular PhD to cover that, I can always go to the Science and Entertainment Exchange, and they can find me a PhD or a professional in that field that can consult with the project and kind of make sure that I'm going in the right direction that's realistic. And then on top of that, with our Science Beyond the Sci-Fi forums, we don't just have the four PhDs that are writing each month for us. Each month, we also have a guest PhD or scientists that will just talk about their particular field and how it ties into particular aspects in the game. 
Tyler, another thing you might mention is the uh, the source books that will ultimately come out of those uh, entries that each of the panelists are writing, which I think is another interesting outreach component of the game. Yep, um, and that's actually, thank you for bringing that up, I actually forgot about that one. Kind of like I, how I was saying, we're trying to make sure we engage new audiences in all new ways, not just through video games, but through podcasts, through video channels, but another way is also through reading. There's still people out there that are picking up actual physical paper books and obviously there's e-readers and all that so there's a lot of people out there that are still reading words <laughs> and that's great and we didn't want to leave those people out so with these science beyond the sci-fi forums we're actually going to be publishing them into different volumes in a source book collection for escaping titan and so it's basically a five-volume book. The first four volumes are the Science Beyond the Sci-Fi forums, basically what each PhD posted about the Science Beyond the Sci-Fi for the game. And then the fifth volume is a bunch of little short stories that actually give you an idea of the backstory that leads up to the narrative in the game itself. So it's, it's a great way to, if you want to either see the science in the game or if you just want to kind of get a head start on what, the game is going to be about and get that much more immersed in the world that we're creating, you can check out the source book and really get engaged with both the sci-fi and the science, both in one place. Tyler, I guess I have a question on how does one make a video game in the sense that you, did you come up with a storyline, like did you have it before you started? Did you talk to a lot of people about developing it? Like, and once you have the storyline, how does that go into developing the characters and then the scenery and, uh, and so on. Like, how do you translate all that information into, into a video game? Tediously. <laughs> it's, it's a lot of work. I actually have a very uh, strong writing background. A lot of my college courses were actually geared around writing. Although all my degrees were in the sciences, I stayed in tune with the arts and was always taking a writing course, usually creative writing. And so... <sighs> This was actually a great opportunity for me to let both of those two things shine. So I've actually written a lot of the storyline. None of it was actually pre-thought out before we started developing the company. But we spent about six months just coming up with the story of the universe. How did it get created? Like, why is Earth no longer there? How did we start spreading out across the solar system? And that's kind of the story that I gave early on, like how we eventually reached Titan. And so that... That was the initial story that we came up with. And then it became, all right, let's make a game out of this. And to cover the entire universe in a game is just impossible. You can't really do all that in one game. It wouldn't be a fun game to play. There'd be too much downtime. And so instead, we decided, okay, we're going to base it strictly around Titan. And we've got to get ourselves a main character and a main plot. And we came up with that story. We kind of hammered it home. And from there, once myself and my co-founder, Chris Cockle, the two of us really started brainstorming how the story was going to go together. And we realized, wow, we've got a huge project on our hands. So we started recruiting different members onto our developing team. So we picked up three artists. We got a producer that's going to monitor our progress, make sure we're on track and make sure everyone's doing all the different elements that need to be done. We also have a programmer. Last year, I actually taught myself six different programming languages as well. And my partner, he's actually a programmer as well. So we've got quite a few people that are able to do the coding and programming behind the game. We've brought in a really strong art team. 
And then on top of all that, we also have what's called the volunteer army, where basically anybody that's interested in breaking into the gaming industry, in other words, students that have graduated or a scientist that just wants to let their creative side go and kind of find a way to express themselves. That's what the volunteer army is for. You basically contact us, say, hey, I'm interested in um, helping out. This is what I'd like to help out in doing. And we'll look through our project, try to find a particular aspect of it that we think you can handle. And it's usually so minimal, like a four-hour project or something with very broad deadlines of maybe a month or two, that you can do it in your free time. And at the same time, it gets us one step closer to a completed project. So we've really got a community effort going on to make sure this game's a quality game that comes out on time and uh, it's something that everybody w- would enjoy. So what is your timeline for the game? We've actually been working on it for about a year and a half. That's when we started coming up with the, the story of the universe and everything. But we only really began production of the game, like building the assets and coding stuff out a couple months ago. And we've still got another almost two years left is what we're currently timelining lining out. So, yeah, we've still got a while to go until the game, it's, the entire game is completed. And so how does one or the public keep up to date with what you're doing? The first way to do it would be simply go to our website, which is www.brokencrowngames.com. And from there, we actually have a news feed right on the homepage where they can keep up with just read through what we've done recently. We also have a calendar on the side. So if we're going to be going to any events, kind of like the National Space Symposium that we just went to, or any of the video game conferences like Megacon, PAX, or GDC, which is also the places we stopped at. All of that kind of stuff will be on our calendar, so you can kind of scroll through and see where we'll be in the near future. And our calendar also shows which PhD is going to be posting in that particular week. So if you're reading through it, you can kind of say, oh, well, next Tuesday, the next astrobiology post is coming out. I better make sure I check back next Tuesday. So that's one way to do it is simply just go to our website. But even from our website, we have all kinds of social media outreach, including Twitter, Facebook, Google+, IndieDB, which is a gaming site. And we're pretty much all over the place. Uh, We even have a YouTube channel. So just by jumping on our website, links to all of those social media sources are all in the upper right on the toolbar. So you can click on those and actually follow us on any of those social media sources to keep regular updates coming to your news feeds. Tyler, I actually have uh, one quick question from Julia. Uh, where does the name Broken Crown come from? <laughs> that I, I love when people ask that. Thank you, Julia. <laughs> that is awesome. So initially, our game was actually called Diligent, and so was our company. The reason it was called Diligent was... I was actually working on the game at work, which if there's any kids listening, I don't encourage that. (laughs) Um, But I was at my place of employment and just tinkering around with the game for the very first time. Um, I was building it in Excel and just tinkering around just to see if I could do it. And all of a sudden, a director of the company actually walks up behind me and he's like, hey, what are you up to? (laughs) And I was like, oh, just work. (laughs) And I close it out. But it asked me to save it, and I'm like, what should I name this? And I decided, when he said, what am I doing? He said, what are you working on so diligently? And so the name that I immediately put as the name of the game and company was Diligent. And so from there, we started to check out, all right, let's name the company Diligent. 
www.diligent.com and it just wasn't open. And as we searched it in Google, we found that there's hundreds and hundreds of companies and games and all that stuff that are named Diligent This or Diligent That. So we decided to come up with a completely unique name. And I wanted to make sure it was science related since our company is all about science outreach. And so one thing led to another and we decided to go with a story that is based around the solar flare that's destroying Earth in the whole premise of the universe. And so obviously you guys all know a solar flare is a coronal mass ejection. And there's also the coronal loops on the sun. And corona is Latin for crown. And then when the coronal loop breaks, it lets loose the coronal mass ejection. So we decided, well, why don't we just call it broken crown? So that's actually the origin of the company name was Broken Crown from Solar Flares. Any other questions for Tyler? No, thanks. I think that was great. All right. Thank well, you, Tyler. This is really interesting. Yeah, guys. Good luck with your adventure. Had a blast stopping by. So thanks for having me. Cheers. See ya. Listeners, uh, don't forget to tune in next month to the next edition of Beers with the Blue Marble Space Institute of Science. You can listen to the archives of our podcast on www.bmsis.org slash podcast. Until then, have a great day. Science replaces private prejudice with publicly verifiable evidence. There's real poetry in the real world. Science is the poetry of reality. We can do science, and with it, we can improve our lives.